my race. I finished my race. There's a course for each of us to run. There's a race that is set before us. And we have to make sure that we stay on course, that we stay on track. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, keep your finger over it in 2 Timothy. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the popular passage. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. All right, two of you got it. Let's the, everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Okay. We don't want to quit. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it. So running by itself does not guarantee victory. It's not just running that gets me to the end. It's how I run. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. That means disciplined in all things. Operates in self-control. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. He loves to use these words, run and fight. And if you study Paul's life, you would know why. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Verse 27, how do you run, Paul? I discipline my body. And bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What's he saying? I don't run other people's races. I run my race. I run the race that's set before me. And I run this way. I discipline my body. What is discipline? Discipline is consistency in doing the same thing over and over and over, regardless of the result that you see, knowing that ultimately it will get you where you want to go. And it's doing those it's doing the right things consistently that gets you to the end result that you're looking for. And that. Right there, that statement right there, in and of itself, is why a lot of people quit. Because they hate doing the same thing over and over and over. Because there's no discipline. Undisciplined people don't finish anything. Discipline is required to finish. The race requires discipline. And running requires consistency. You ask any marathon runner, you ask anyone that does, you know, 5Ks or 10Ks or does those things, what are they doing? They're doing the same thing from the time they start until they finish. The same exact thing. What are they doing? Putting one foot in front of the other. That's it. That's why I hate running. I hate it. But I have implemented it 
in my lifestyle because it's necessary. And I've had to discipline myself to do it. But I hate it. I don't enjoy running. And at the end, when I'm all winded and out of breath and, and, and just look like a completely different person and look like I can't even stand up, I'm like, why did I just do that? But there's an end result. And you stay disciplined because I can't tell you how many times you want to quit. How many times you just want to stop and say, walking is better than running. I can walk. And and standing is better than walking. And sitting is better than standing. And lying down is better than... Sitting, yeah, we can digress all the way back. But when you discipline yourself, you say one more song. Because I, 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 I can't do that whole running with nothing in my ears. I'm running to something. One more song. If I can just make it to the end of this song. And then I get there, I'm like, okay, I can do another song. Stop sign. I'm going to make it to the stop. I'm not quitting. What am I doing? I'm setting markers, setting goals. When you don't have any goals, you don't know where you're going. You don't know when you need to stop. But running the race requires consistency, and it's doing the right things consistently over a period of time that produce the results in your life that you're looking for. But when you don't do the things consistently, there's a word for that. It's called quitting. When you quit doing things consistently, you do not produce the results that you're looking for. We've got to be finishers. We've got to be finishers. Look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Is anybody discouraged yet? (laughs) It's... Discouraging and encouraging at the same time. Luke chapter 9, verse 61. And another, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you. I will follow you. I will follow you, but. Well, that's not good. <laughs> I will follow you, but. Let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, verse 62, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Pretty hard statement. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God, is fit to advance, is fit to move on. Now, what's he talking about here? He's not saying that your family, if you love your family, that you can't be in the kingdom, you can't serve him. That's not what he's saying. What he's identifying here is if if your attention is diverted, if you don't have a focus on what's ahead, then you won't move ahead. 
You aren't fit for the kingdom. You aren't fit for ministry in the kingdom. You aren't fit for service in the kingdom if you're constantly looking over your shoulder. Because nobody that looks back moves forward. Nobody that has their attention diverted and is unfocused about what God has called them to do completes the assignment. You'll eventually quit. Ask the Israelites who constantly wanted to look back, look over their shoulder, look behind them and say, but when we were in Egypt. But in Egypt, we had three square meals a day. In Egypt, we had people looking out for us. In Egypt, they always wanted to look over their shoulder and say, you you remember that? And God's trying to say, do you remember the promise I gave you? Do you remember Canaan? He didn't say the wilderness was going to be better than Egypt. He said Canaan is better than Egypt. But maybe you got to go through a wilderness before you get to Canaan. But to get through the wilderness, you can't. And not one person, not one, except for Joshua and Caleb, came out of Egypt and made it to Canaan. Not one, besides Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they quit. Because their focus and their attention was diverted. And you do not accomplish the will of God, you do not move forward and advance your life by looking over your shoulder. Going forward in the kingdom requires direct attention on what's ahead of you. Everyone that made it into Canaan was 20 years and younger. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. That means they were born in the wilderness. Why? Why did God do that? Well, I, he just had to find somebody that didn't have a mentality that was always looking over their shoulder. See, those that were born in the wilderness had no problem believing God there was something better than a wilderness. They didn't have any thinking to revert back to. We'll get to thinking in just a minute. Quitting is an infection that breeds Quitters. I charge all the parents in this room to acknowledge that and to recognize. Because we don't want to raise up a generation that quits stuff, that doesn't see things, see things through, that doesn't have any stick to itness, and says, no, you know, I started this thing, I'm in it. You, you realize quitting does not help your character. People that quit a lot of stuff are not dependable. They're not trustworthy. They're not a go-to guy. It speaks volumes. How am I going to give you something and trust that it's going to get accomplished when we quit stuff all the time? I mean, I don't care how bad it got. I just want to know that you chose to drive forward regardless of how bad it got. Regardless, 
Because that tells me I can hand down, I can give this to them, and no matter how bad it gets, he's going to make sure it gets done. No matter what opposition shows up, he's going to see it through. That's dependability. That's trustworthiness. If my son says, hey, Dad, I want to play soccer, and we do soccer, and he goes to one practice and says, hey, I don't like this, you're stuck, dude. You're seeing this thing through. You're going to go to every practice. You're going to play every game. Because you don't just get in stuff and then realize, oh, this is hard. I don't know if I can do this. No, you're going to see it through. And then next year we'll talk about soccer. I told you to play baseball in the first place. You don't have to run as much. Should have listened to me. (laughs) That's what I would say. But there's something that we've we've got to send this down. We've got to get this communicated down because the world's not teaching us. The world is okay with incomplete. They're all right with that. Look at Hollywood. They don't finish anything. You know, I'd like to just Google longest running marriage between actor and actress and just find out what that is. Now, I know there's probably some out there because the ones that make the headlines are the ones that Quit, because we love to see people quit, because it lets me know they're just like me. If they have all that money, and they have all that fame, and and they've got everything you could ask for, and, and they got married to that person, and they couldn't make it, then hey, I'm all right. It's just, it's garbage. And Paul is saying here in 2 Timothy, to Timothy, look, you got it in this thing? You got to see this thing through. There's going to be plenty of times to quit. I'm not saying there's not going to be opposition. I'm not saying this thing is a cakewalk. I'm saying you've got to fight the good fight of faith. And Paul said, I have fought the good fight. Then he said, I ran the race. Lastly, he said, I kept the faith. I kept the faith. Many times, almost every single time, you get into opposition or something shows up contrary to what God has called you to do, the first thing that gets attacked and the first thing we lose is our faith. The first time sickness and disease shows up, it attacks our faith in healing. The first time financial opposition shows up, it attacks our faith in God's word on prosperity and provision. The first time God's, uh, 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 the first time opposition shows up in our job, it attacks our faith. And Paul says here, the third key to ending, the third key to finishing properly is keeping the faith. That tells me something is after my faith. Something is trying to show up to steal my faith. Something is trying to show up to take my faith away from me. Something is trying to show up to keep me from believing in something that I don't see. Every time. Every time. 
when that opposition shows up, that is the time to stand in faith. That is the moment that we stand in the faith that God has given us. And that in the low times, I believe. In poverty, I believe. In sickness, I believe. In depression, I believe. In anxiety, I believe. In fear, I believe. I keep on believing. Paul is saying here, I kept the faith when people attacked me from the outside. I kept the faith when they attacked me from the inside. I kept the faith when I would go and preach in a city, leave, and then find out that Judaizers came back and were preaching against the very thing I just spent time preaching on. I kept the faith. I kept on believing and I kept on believing and I kept on believing consistently all the way through. And that's why I'm finishing today. I have kept the faith. I never stopped believing. I never quit believing. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Fought the good fight. I finished my race, finished my course, and I kept the faith. There's not one piece, there's not one person on the face of this planet that has never had the opportunity to quit, including. Jesus. We normally don't identify Jesus as a quitter or someone that struggled with quitting, someone that struggled with saying, I can't do this anymore. But Jesus had those thoughts. And he tells us how to overcome it. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, he says this, But he who endures, he who endures to the end shall what? Be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. We've always thought of salvation As the beginning of something. And he says salvation shows up as a result. Now I want to define this because I'm not talking salvation into the kingdom of God. Because there's a different saved. There's a different saved. I mean Jesus said the truth shall make you free. Does that mean we've got a lot of saved people that aren't free because they don't know the truth? Absolutely. Well, I thought salvation saved you. I thought salvation made you free. It made you free, but even in the kingdom, we can still be stuck in some things. And he says right here, if you endure to the end, you will be saved. Endure. Now, let's look at this word endure. 
This word endure means this, to hold one's ground during conflict. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? Sounds a lot like what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, when you've done all to stand. Stand. It's to hold your ground. The enemy wins when you get off course. The enemy wins when we don't stay in what God has called us to do. And we lose when we quit. But when we endure, when we hold our ground, it means to stand firm is what endure means. Endure. We've got to get some endurance about us. We've got to get endurance about our lives. We've got to endure some things. There's going to be some things in your life that come and are exciting and are awesome and they're fun. But then there's things that show up that you have to endure. The fact that you're enduring automatically identifies you're in conflict. You can't endure without conflict. You can't endure without conflict. Endurance is to hold one's ground during conflict. That's why you don't ever hear people talk about how they endured a new house. We got this brand new house, man, and we're enduring, we're we're pushing on, we're we're persevering. Man, I got this new truck, man. It was blessed to me. I don't, I don't even have a car payment. Man. I'm just, I'm enduring this, man. It's just, I'm pushing through. No, because there's no conflict there. But you endure when you got no idea how the mortgage payment's coming. You endure when you have no idea how the car payment's going to get taken care of. You endure when you, they just told you that we're shutting you down, there's no job, and now you've got to try to find it. That's endurance because conflict, something contrary, something's opposing you, something's opposing the lifestyle that's inside of you, and you endure, and you persevere, and you're pushing through the conflict. Now we're enduring. Hebrews chapter 12. Enduring is how you keep from quitting. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. We've got to look at Jesus, guys. We've got to look at Jesus. We can't look at our parents. We can't look at each other. We can't look at Grandma. Blessed saint she was. We've got to look unto Jesus. The author and what? Finisher. Jesus finishes stuff. 
He didn't quit. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus wasn't a quitter. In the midst of conflict, he saw conflict for what it was. The gate to finishing. See, we see the, we see the conflict as something that's trying to stop us and nothing more. The conflict is trying to stop you, but if you overcome it, it causes you to finish. The opposition is what makes you an overcomer. The battle and the fight is what makes you victorious. You can't be victorious without a fight. You can't be an overcomer without a battle. You can't endure without conflict. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Look at verse 3. Consider him who endured. Consider him. Consider him. What have we been considering? Consider means to think on. Consider means to look at or to focus, to gaze upon. If you're considering something, it's taking up memory bank in your mind. If you're considering something, you're thinking about it with a thought process. And are we considering the conflict or are we considering him who endured? Because if I can consider him who endured, then it can show me how to endure. If I can consider how he made it through and how for the joy set before him he endured the cross, then maybe I can endure conflict with joy myself. Maybe I can begin to see conflict the way it really ought to be seen. Thank you, opposition, for just showing up into my life because you're about to make me victorious. Thank you for sickness and disease trying to come on my life because when I start walking in healing and overcome these symptoms, I'm going to be victorious. Thank you for that. There's some joy in that now. And we stop quitting. We quit quitting. The only thing you need to quit is quit quitting. Consider means to look at, means to think about. And he says to Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And look what it says here. Lest, that means unless in our language, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Your souls, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions will become weary and discouraged. What you think and what you want to do and how you feel will become weary and discouraged when we don't consider him who endured. 
and weary and discouraged people quit. Weary and discouraged people, but strengthened and encouraged people finish. And tonight, I've wanted, uh, I wanted to accomplish, tonight what I wanted to accomplish was discouraging you from quitting, but encouraging you to finish. No matter where we're at in life, no matter who we are, no matter what we go through, no matter what our status, no matter what our job is, no matter who we married, no matter who our kids are, where we live, there is always an opportunity to quit. There's not one person in the Bible that didn't have the opportunity to quit. Noah had an opportunity to quit. You tell me, Within a hundred years of him building an ark, he doesn't have an idea of this is stupid. We've never seen rain. People don't even believe in this person, God, that I'm talking to, that's spoken to me. I don't even know how to build an ark. What's a boat? Abraham, in 25 years of being told, you're going to be the father of many nations. Don't tell me he didn't have an opportunity to quit. David, waiting at least 14 years before he becomes the king God told him he was going to be. Where the evil guy, he's still having to call anointed. I won't touch God's anointed. And you know in the back of his mind he's thinking, I'm the one that's anointed. I had the anointing oil dripped over my head. The prophet came to my house. He came looking for me. I ought to be king. Had an opportunity to quit. Jeremiah, the prophet, who was told from the beginning... You're going to go and talk to my people and they're not even going to listen to you. That's great. Job description. Bearer of bad news. That's what you are. Had an opportunity to quit. Thrown in a well. Can't even get out. Jesus goes to the cross by himself, invest everything he has in 12 people and they desert him when he needed them the most. Countless times had to tell him, you of little faith, where is your faith? Are you listening to anything I'm saying? I told you I'm going to die and in three days I'm going to rise again. You don't remember this conversation? What is wrong with you? The disciples being thrown into prison for doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Get out of prison and go right back to doing the same miracles and preaching the same message of the kingdom. 
We can't be quitters. We've got to endure. We've got to persevere. We've got to push through opposition. There are things. Over in John chapter 16, Jesus said, In this world, there will be trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer. Because I endured. I've overcome the world. And it won't ever overcome you if you don't quit. If you don't quit. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know what you're up against. But everyone has an opportunity to quit. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He doesn't want you to fight the fight, the good fight. He wants you to fight the bad fight, the one that wears you out, the one that leaves you tired with no end in sight. He wants you to fight your spouse, he wants you to fight your coworkers. He wants you to spend and invest all your time on things that aren't really the problem. He doesn't want you to finish the course. He wants you to get so caught up in other people's problems that you can't even take care of your own. He wants to get you off course. He wants to slow you down. The enemy, he doesn't want you to keep the faith. He wants to destroy your faith. He doesn't want you believing the word. Because the word is the one thing he can't overcome. He wants you to forget the word. He wants you to spend more time watching the news than you do watching the word. He wants you to spend more time reading that report from the doctor than he does reading the word. He wants you to spend more time thinking over the hurtful things your spouse said last night than getting in the Word and learning how to walk in love. He doesn't want you to keep the faith. So whoever you are, wherever you're at, I want you to know tonight that you can overcome. The one who has overcome lives inside you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater. Greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That means there's nothing too strong, nothing too great, nothing too mighty, nothing too bad, no report too far gone, that he that is in you is not greater than. Come on, you've got to let this register in your spirit tonight.
These are not just words, black words on white paper. This is the Word of God. And it's more real than any report you have. It's more real than any circumstance you're in. It's more real. I know you're going to go home tonight and you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive home and you're going to have the same issues and same circumstances, but now you've got a different response to the same circumstances. Now you've got a different way of seeing things than you did before you walked in this door. And that's what we pray. I pray that for every service, that you leave differently than the way that you came in. But it's going to require you to consider him who endured. Consider the author and finisher of your faith. Man, he's brought you this far. See, God's a finisher. And God's going to see to it that he finishes his work in you. So don't quit in the process. Father, I thank you tonight for every individual, every family, every couple. I thank you tonight that this message resonates deep within us. We are not quitters. But we stand. Stand to outlast. Stand to overcome. Stand to endure. Stand from the beginning until the end. Stand regardless of what comes against us. Stand regardless of the opposition. Stand regardless of the conflict. Stand regardless of who may come against us. We stand. We overcome. We're victorious. And those who endure until the end shall be saved. We thank you for your promise tonight. We thank you for your word. Your word that overcomes any and every obstacle in our lives. I thank you for strength over every person in this room. A strength to continue to endure. A strength to continue to overcome. A strength to stand. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.